I know our job is to hold the mirror up to society, but I've been avoiding mirrors of late because it's got so goddamn ugly. Remember when Cersei Lannister was absurd hyperbole, but now she seems quite tame and her naked walk of shame being pelted with human poo is just what we daily do on Twitter. Tell me, how do you make great art when reality has jumped a shark? Let's raise our afters. It's the 2020 Bafters. No one's stronger than an artist in a crisis. Comes hell or high water, pandemic or disorder. We will stand up to give each other prizes. Welcome back to another episode of the Reckless Comedy Podcast. This is season two, episode four. I am your host, Kim Nash, for this episode. Joining us today is he, you might have seen him on some of the most recent Reckless Comedy shows. You may have seen him as Chris or the HR dude with Tourette's. You might have also seen him as Officer Muppet Fister. <laughs> Please welcome, we love him. He's currently working on the sex bot. He's not. He's not. He's given up. <laughs> He's given up. Please welcome the brilliant Kurt Seedlom. Hello, Kim. Hi. Hi, my good friend. How are you? What time is it there? Eight o'clock at night? Yeah, it's like ten past eight. So early, considering normally when I record podcasts, they're like at 11, 12 o'clock at night. So hmm. you've got an early. Right. But honestly, it's good to have you here on the show, Kurt. We love having you on Anything Reckless Does. Like, like I said in the intro, uh, you, you're most known now on the Reckless universe as Chris, which is probably the most British fucking name I've <laughs> ever thought of. Hmm. But um, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about Reckless in more detail going forward. But um, where are you joining us today? Well, I know where you're joining us, but our listeners don't. Sure, I'm joining from California. Um, I'm in a, I'm about two hours north of LA. It's a mountain community. So we actually got some snow last night. Um, it didn't stick around, it's all melted now. We've got but, snow in the UK right now. Literally the car park outside of my um, window where I'm recording is covered in snow. Mm. Which is fun, <laughs> snow's fun. Unless, yeah. you, like, unless you shit or piss in it, then it's not fun. You know, and the thing is, I grew up in Boston. That's why I almost always have Red Sox hat on or stuff like that. But um, <clears throat> when I moved out to California, <clears throat> I've, always, I've, I've always missed, you know, um, going back to Boston. And, um, you know, cause, so I, I was raised in the snow. So be, when I moved to California, you know, my own kids, they're like, oh, it's fun to play with but they don't like shoveling. They don't like, they don't understand all the crap that comes with it. Yeah. Bursting pipes um, because of the water froze. 
um, things like that, you know. Yeah, it is. Um, I think I think when you're a kid, like you think snow is like that magical thing, but now as an adult myself, it's like, what what what's so special about it? It's just white stuff, you know. If you if you want good white stuff, just you know, stroke my penis. You know, this is my theory. Okay, um, when I moved to California, and it was pretty much, you know. Uh, fall and summer you know mm -hmm. um and, that's, and i lived in bakersfield for a while which is a desert very desert like it's in it's in it's like one of, one of the comedians i know um jay brown he said there's there's spring and there's summer and there's super summer uh, because it gets over 100 <laughs> degrees there a, a lot and uh but it, but the, the thing is when when you only when you only have two when you when you don't have that winter that's the real winter time it flies you know yeah. having snow it breaks you know four seasons breaks up the year way better and i think the year lasts longer just mentally if anyone wants to book uh, kurt for ted talk you can find him at <laughs> it's an interesting query um that was query um Maybe maybe a quandary. Does does time exist longer in um, in other seasons? Someone get cut on like a science podcast or something. <laughs> like you're too highbrow for comedy, man. What? <laughs> I have never ever been told that. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it on his um, comedy bio now. I'm more highbrow than this crap. <laughs> yeah, because that always hits. There's always a crowd for that, right? Ask. Uh, oh. Yeah, I, um, recently I changed. Uh, well, I've started to change uh, my bio that I use for um, like for new shows to introduce me. Originally, I sort of put it as like, "Oh, this guy's been rock and rolling um, the comedy scene for the last three years," and it's like rock and roll and comedy in the same fucking sentence shouldn't be there like i've said it so many times in gigs like you don't you sometimes get comedy groupies but you always get rock and roll groupies well i mean honestly yeah rock and roll is way uh, being a musician is way more prestigious i mean unless you're the, unless you're the bass player um but uh yeah if you if you're a musician compared to being a stand-up comedian i mean you probably told us a lot. It was like, if your girlfriend is a, you know, oh, I do stand-up comedy. Oh, you're not going to joke about me, are you? Depends on how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. That is why I love being a stand-up comic and being single, because uh -huh. then I can just make jokes about other people's women. Or, yeah. or if you're in my case, my mother. <laughs> That's the closest resort. My mother is my joke. Whoever you're dating, you know, at the time. I'm not uh, dating my mother, Kurt. Oh, I must have heard that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but yeah, you know, even, <clears throat> even like ex-girlfriend, you know, okay, just do me a favor. Don't ever talk to, about me on stage. It's like, oh, I, I probably will. It's probably like, will. don't talk about me on stage. I can't promise anything. Just like right. this relationship, I can't promise good sex. Shoot. Well, I mean, self-deprecation is most of comedy. We're most of the time picking on ourselves. When we have someone else we can pick on just a little bit, just a little, it's like, <laughs> oh, 
Hell yeah, give me that. <laughs> Hell yeah, bitch. Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> oh, speak speaking of that though, have you have you done any roast battles? Not yet. Yeah, I, I've I've had to um I've I was asked to roast my um previous boss. He was not just my boss, he was the boss for all of IT for the company I was with. So because he was a big fan of comedy, he's like, yeah, you gotta roast him before he leaves. It was it was squeaky clean. It was corporate clean. Um, in fact, the whole thing, I had my index cards, right? And uh, I had them and I was like, you know, I would never say anything bad about him. Um, I just, I found these, these cards on someone's desk. Uh, anyway, let's see how this goes. So I was even trying to remove myself from the roast entirely. And then like halfway through, I was like, wow, this person was really mean. Great joke structure, but mean, you know, it's so stupid. <laughs> but, uh, but I actually did my first roast battle, um, was it last weekend? Might have been last, yeah, last weekend. I was just, I was just going over, getting over the worst part of my COVID. And I, um, I had a roast and it was, it was so much fun. Cause the guy, the guy I roasted, um, uh, like there was been a couple times when people ask you to roast them, you know, like, hey, I'm having a birthday party, come roast me. This one guy, I remember he asked me to roast him. I was like, hell no, I hate you. I would just stand there and say, hey, this guy's an asshole. He's, he's a jerk. He's, you know, everything worse than comedy. Bye. You know, that wouldn't be funny at all. <laughs> you know, you roast the ones you love. So this guy, he's, he, I, I have a lot of respect for him. His name is uh, Danny Dietschy. And he's a lot like me, middle-aged white guy. So I was like, oh, great. Here we go. You know, take the gloves off and put on mittens. Um, but uh, it was it was, it was a lot of fun. Oh God, I just, I just love that. Like it's to be fair, um, I I have been asked for like roast battles before, and it's like no, because I'm such an easy target. That's the thing about myself. I'm such an easy fucking target. I don't know, man. I, it couldn't be any easier than me. Like, even when the guy was like, okay, just tell him some stuff, you know, that, uh, about yourself. It's like, okay. Um, you know, uh, I divorced, have a penis. Sick, th yeah. Everything, you know, middle-aged divorce, just laid off. Um, I love sewing. I love cooking. You know, there's uh, so much shit that people could pick on me for, but, but the, the, they've got to know that shit about you anyway, because that's what makes you funny. Like I can joke about my sewing because I like sewing, you know? Um, but now someone else has got that in their pocket, you know? So. Yeah, um, sort of going back to comedy, uh, just before we started the episode, me and Kurt were um, talking about many things, but one of the things we were talking about is, as comics, what, uh, no, at the start of the episode, weren't it? Yeah, fucking hell, were we a couple of minutes in and I forgot what I'm doing. <laughs> but we were talking about like, how people are remembered as comics. You know, so what you're most known for. So obviously with Reckless, you're most known for Chris or the guy who took the piss out of Tourette's for about 20 minutes straight. Oh my God. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the movie night shows. I oh. fucking love them because I get to shout at people and not get punched in the face. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I wasn't, cra like, I, I, I never joke about, you know, because it's like, they call it punching down, right? When you make fun of someone's disability. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and it's like, so with the, the Tourette's, I've always, you know, I've always been fascinated with Tourette's, but it's like, oh shit, I've got to make fun of, I've got to act <laughs> like someone on Tourette's. It's like, look, you're an actor, just act Tourette's. You know what I mean? 
like Gilbert Grape, you know, when, uh, what's his name? Was that Johnny Depp, Leonardo DiCaprio? One of them. When he did Gilbert Grape, he wasn't like, hey, watch me make fun of it, you know. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stop there. Um, it's like, yeah. But I was like, okay, just get through it. Then we'll move on to something else. I didn't realize it was going to be 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, I think that was probably the best representation of Tourette's I've seen in a fucking while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, and even when it's like, when, like when, when I was you were doing the Tourette's thing, you came out with some crazy fucking stuff, like cockfights. <laughs> what the fuck? These are all terms I've heard um, growing up. Um, you know, like cum dumpster, cock cockbite, um, yeah, things like that. Titty punch. Those. Um, I, those, those like, are things. I think I heard one at one point called um, clip, like clip punch or something like that. Mm. <laughs> it was like, what the fuck. But, but, you know, um, but then it was like, even when I was just putting non, you know, other things like popcorn shrimp or something like that. No, 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 more swears. It's like, wait a minute. To work in group homes for developmentally disabled adults. And there was a teenage kid I used to work with. Um, he had Tourette's, but he was also nonverbal. So he would just sign colors or food. You know, just spastically, you know, and it was like, because <laughs> he didn't know swears. It was pretty interesting. Wow. And that's the thing, like, you say, like, you did not expect that to go on for 20 minutes. You do right. hear that. I said this on the night, and I'll say it again. When I managed to get back in, we still had 25 minutes left of the show. We spent 20 of those minutes taking the piss. <laughs> Six... No, 16 minutes of that 20 minutes was a sex scene. Yeah. Which, honestly, that was the most... I watched it back again recently, that's um, virtual sex scene. Is it just me or is it uncomfortable to watch? Uh, completely, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's more uncomfortable in that scene. The fact that you're taking the piss out of Tourette's or you're taking the piss out of Tourette's whilst whilst uh, Brooke Barcel, also who plays um, Debbie, is giving the most realistic sex noises I've yeah. ever fucking heard. You know, you ever watch a bad movie and then you're looking at the person being like, oh my God, I feel bad for them. Well, imagine being them, Kim. Imagine <laughs> being them. <laughs> Honestly, like, movie night is so fun. Like, it's as I say, it's the one time I get to act like, well, Chase is just a psychopath. That's a conversation me and Christine Knowlton were having recently, is that Chase and Marvin, um, just a little backstory for those who don't know, Marvin and Chase are two alter egos that I've created. And would it be fair to say, in your opinion, Kurt, that mm -hmm. Chase and Marvin are fucking psychopaths? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they realize it. Yeah, I think this is the thing. Like, who's more of a psychopath, Marvin or Chase? Um, I would have to say Chase because Marvin is a alcoholic. Yeah, and he has a reason. Right. Chase is just an asshole dick. So he's. <laughs> I think. So I think it's different. 
<laughs> I, I love how you're so open about that. You're like, yeah, Chase is just an asshole. <laughs> well, some people have seen that. They'll be like, you know, calm down. Like, I'll start swearing or something. Like, calm down, Chris. It's like, uh, okay, all right. I'll, I'll calm down. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what some people actually tell me now. Calm down, Chris. Like, oh, you shut the fuck up, you know. <laughs> like, and that's the thing, you know, with all the Marvin sketches, you know, when Marvin's on screen, it, he's sort of like, I don't know how to explain him. He's, it's like he, he, can, he controls whatever situation he's in. Even if he's not supposed to be the one in control, mm -hmm. he ends up being like the, the puppet master of it all. Um, the therapy um, sketch is probably one of my favorite examples of that. You know, you got Christine playing this therapist and mm -hmm. you've got fucking Marvin telling a, a religious woman mm -hmm. to pretty much stop believing in God and believe in him. Right. And he's, like I say, I do agree that Chase is more of a psychopath because, like, the thing is, I think Chase is very similar to maybe actual, like, Hollywood directors, I think. Mm. I, I haven't worked in Hollywood yet, so... I but you know the stereotype. Yeah, the, the stereotype. And I think, I think Chase plays up to that really well. And I think it's also just funny watching me as Chase shout out a load of middle-aged and young people saying, make more sex noises, fast forward, shut the fuck up, like that. It's like, he's fucking crazy. Um, now, if, uh, if Marvin goes on the wagon... That then it could be debatable who's the bigger asshole. To be to be fair, like I've there's this idea at the moment where I want to put Marvin and Chase both in the same situation. Mm -hmm. So like um, I think someone asked me recently, what drug would Marvin and Chase be? And it's like Chase would probably be that sort of you know calm sort of drug, and then and then like Marvin would be like I'm crack motherfucker like. <laughs> Um, did you have you have you seen A Toast of London? Yes, yeah. Um, Fandango. That's you know, <laughs> that's kind of that's the kind of director I think I think Chase is I mean Chase Chase is a little more involved and Fandango is a little more reserved, but he's got he's got his entourage behind it, you know. Yeah. I think if you balled them all up together, that might be a chase, you know. Yeah, I think this is the thing with Chase. He's just like, if he was in real life, I think he would probably get fired from jobs quicker. Like, he'd get onto a job and be out of the job within two hours, if that. Yeah. Because he'd sort of be like, if you don't give me this job, I'm going to fuck your wife. Like, <laughs> he's that sort of guy. It's like, give me the job, otherwise I make your wife pregnant. Right, which is... Which is saying a lot about these wives of people. They're so easy to come by and they're, you know, or confused. Or they're confused, you know. Yeah, they're like, confused at what the fuck is up with this guy? Is this what I do now? Am I this kind of person? You know, like, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I think it's also interesting when we talk about movie night, the fact that it's got its own universe fair to say. I think Reckless now has its own like sort of Marvel universe now. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, uh, I think so. 
Yeah, because you've got all these different characters, and I think all these characters link into what Reckless does in some way. So, you know, you've got characters like Chris, you've got Debbie, you know, and it's funny seeing the sort of stereotypes these characters play, you know. So, for example, you know, Chris is that sort of, okay, I'm just going to roll, roll with it guy. Debbie mm. is the, the uh, what's called an archetype or the, the stereotypical slut, really. Right. Um, I'm not saying that Brooke's a slut. She's not. Well, she's, clearly, these are characters, not, you yeah, know. Obviously, like, like, what you do in your own lives, like, that's, that's you know, that's you, you know. Right. If you fuck kids, you fuck kids. Not my problem. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't think that even needs to be acknowledged or even, you know, like, I think we, anyone who's going to be fucking kids, just to put that out there, should stop. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, you know, what you do is your own business. That's kind of true for, to a point, but um, for things that are malicious or damaging to people, you probably shouldn't, you know, just saying, you know this, Kim. Yeah, it is. It's just like, just yeah. so people listening to this podcast, if the two people who subscribe are like, wait a minute, Kim said it's okay. <laughs> it's like, hey, this random British guy on Spotify says it's okay to fuck kids. Oh, Spotify. Okay. I meant three. I meant three listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you little git. <laughs> um, I'm now going to mention a line which I, which Kurt laughs every time I say it. And it's, um, <laughs> what is it? Oh, you're about to get a ruddy good punch on the bottom. Right, right. <laughs> Can I just clarify, the first time Kurt heard this line, no joke, Kurt was like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know, and some backstory on that, it's like when I, when I was reading the script, it's like, okay, this guy Chris is in LA and he says bullocks and he says mate. I was like, people in LA don't say bullocks really. And when they say mate, it's more like mate, you know? <laughs> um, so then when I saw that ruddy good punch at the bottom, I was like, that's definitely not LA, but, but you said the chase, you know, the, or sorry, the Chris had a, had a, um, uh, UK background. So I was like, oh, okay. Okay. I guess, you know, if you're going to keep, if you're going to keep something of the vernacular, ruddy good punch to the bottom is a, is the one you want to keep that in, that in bullocks, you know? Um, we do actually have the, um, the unused take of that scene and, Chris uh, or Kurt trying to read those lines. <laughs> it was like, he was just like, what the, he was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, it was like, and even now it's like, oh my God, what shit does this come who write the script come up with? <laughs> like, what the fuck? I, I did like that addition though. I liked that. Uh, Cause that's an awesome line, you know, a nice, a nice nod to the young ones. Yeah. Um, but going back on to your style of comedy, um, how long have you been doing comedy and how did you get started? Um, okay, so let's see. I think, okay, I think I've been doing it now for five years. I think I've hit my five-year mark. Um, I, before my separation with my ex-wife, um, comedy, like my whole life, comedy has been an ex escape for me. Um, and I started looking to open mics before the uh before the separation 
and then the separation happened and everything, you know, for about six months, I just, you know, I, I was, I wasn't in a good place for anything. Um, mm -hmm. and then I, I finally crawled up on a, on a mic, on a, on a stage and did a set. It was, it was terrible too, but I, ha I still have it. I have not like, Oh, I'm going to keep this for antiquity because people are going to say, how did he start? He's so famous now. No, you keep it because it's like, I'm an idiot, you know? Um, what the fuck is wrong? Yeah. You've done. Oh, my God. Um, what but, has it led to this? Yeah. You know, and, and so I've, I've, always, I've always loved comedy. And um, the thing is, I was always um, had a lot of social anxiety. I was a hardcore introvert. Um, uh, stage fright, it was just through the roof but I, I i went through toastmasters to try to get myself out of my shell and then from there i was like okay well i can do public speaking without shitting myself now well it's the next thing it's like oh stand-up comedy fuck that that would be you know the test you know just stand up there in front of people try to make them laugh and then just look at you doe-eyed or blank face like what's he saying you know that's that's when it's like okay yeah now now i've overcome you know um, social anxiety. Yeah, I think it is interesting talking about like stuff like that, social anxiety in comedy. Because mm -hmm. with me, I've been doing it now. This summer will be three years, and mm -hmm. I remember the first time I walked up on stage. It wasn't even a stage; it was a like a common room, as we call it. It was just like a little like corner in the back back of a theatre. So you had uh -huh. the theatre auditorium. And then literally what used to be a storage room next door. That's right. literally how crap we were. We were so crap we weren't allowed to be in the auditorium. <laughs> like, it was like, don't give the comics that much room. It, and we're like, it's, it was only a 90-seater anyway. Well, so to be like, fair, too, you, were, you weren't even drinking age yet, so you couldn't do it at a bar yet. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was weird. Um, but the first time I walked up on that stage, no joke. Before I walked up, I was not shaking at all. You know, my heart rate was fine. I was not shitting myself physically and mentally. I get, literally, I put one foot forward to start heading to the mic. And mm -hmm. my heart rate is going from boom, boom, to boom, boom, boom. Fuck, 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 fuck! Mm -hmm. Like... <laughs> As soon as I get to the mic, no joke, my hands were covered in sweat. Yeah. I, I was like, fuck, fuck. I pick up the mic and the first thing I say, I didn't even plan to say this. I just went like this, no joke. Nice weather. Oh, yeah. He's like, nice weather, isn't it? And everyone started laughing and I'm like, oh, thank fuck. Yeah. Fuck, when the fuck I've got past that. And then what, I don't even remember what happened for the next four and a half minutes. I do remember at one point saying, um, it's a Pikey's night out, which in the UK means um, it's the traveler's night out. It's, it's a derogative, it's a, it's, a, it's a bad term for travelers. And um, I used to say that a lot, you know, like how I talk about my mother's anus now is the most common thing I do in the mm -hmm. set. Back then, in the early days, it was like, I will talk about travellers. And um, how the fuck have I not been kicked out of a bar? Fucking shocks me. Travellers, like, travellers to the city? As in travellers, like, you know, um, like, do you know, like, gypsy caravans? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. that. That sort of thing. Okay. 
So they're still prevalent in uh, in UK. Yeah. Gypsy caravans. Yeah. They've got a bad stigma to them. And the tinkers are there still tinkers around? I think so. Fuck knows. <laughs> are those just in Ireland? That's probably Ireland. Ah, okay. Yeah, you know, um, with it's it's fine. Like if we're you know, so I um I I quit drinking. Now it's been eleven years. Um, but when I was 21 i would do karaoke and before i'd get on stage i had to get shit faced mm -hmm. you know um and usually puke and then i go up um when i started doing comedy i didn't have i you know uh, i smoked pot when i was younger too but i don't smoke pot anymore either I'm you do much not look like a pothead Kurt. you do not look like a pothead oh i i was a different person back then um <laughs> it was the 90s and but anyway um uh now, so getting into comedy, I didn't have pot or alcohol to lean on. It was just hardcore reality. And I remember for the first, like, I want to say two months, um, I would only do the mic like maybe twice a week because then that night I couldn't sleep because I was repeating every word I fucking said and just cringing. Like, I can't, <laughs> believe, I can't believe I told them that. Oh my God, I'm so stupid. You know, just beating the shit out of yourself, you know? For two months till fine. Now it's nothing anymore. But I, I, it was the night after the open mics that used to always just kill me. Yeah. So you say you've been doing comedy around around about five years. We'll round it up to about five, mm -hmm. just to save the um, hard hardness of it. Why am I saying hard and trying not to think about my penis? Uh, this is because you're a dirty boy. That's why you're a dirty little fucker. <laughs> yeah, a dirty bird. <laughs> <laughs> God, oh, this is like school again, just talking about penis. My my teacher was not Jimmy Savile, okay? <laughs> like he wasn't. Well, I mean, you're, you're, he, he was your hero, just not your teacher. Fuck you! <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, where were we talking about? Oh yeah, five years. Um, have you, within those five years, done any festivals of any sort? The only... Okay, so right before lockdown happened, I was accepted to the Portland um, Comedy Festival, and then they, they shut down. So they sent me an email being like, hey, you can do it virtually, or you can do it in person next year. So I was like, I'll do it in person next year. Then I, I, I've been applying to, to festivals all over the place, but I, the only one I was, in, I was um, led into was, well, that Portland one, which I think maybe everyone would have anyway. You might want to look into it. It's a, you know, if it's, but um. The other one was the New York Underground um, Conference. I heard a lot about that this year. And to be fair, I, I, I feel really bad that I missed out on it. Because someone actually did say to me, why don't you, why don't you do something? And it was like, I have got a show being written, but I, I just couldn't be asked. And then here I am in 2021 announcing, hey, I'm doing a festival. Come see me. Right. Yeah. That, now, the New York um, Underground, Film Fe uh, Underground Comedy Festival um, I think, I, I, not to take away from it, but I think everyone who applied was accepted. Um, so that, you know, um, it was pretty much get paid. It, it wasn't even a lot of money. Um, most of the comedy festivals I apply to, it's like, well, I'll never see this money again. Um, so I just go for the ones that aren't very expensive, you know, uh, or I go for the really weird, you know, like, Oh, there's one in Omaha, Nebraska, not Omaha, um, like uh, Idaho. Okay, I don't know anyone. 
yeah, that might be small enough or like Wyoming, but never got accepted to any of them except that New York one. And that was like five bucks. And it's like, okay, and you get to be on a show. Fine. Yeah, that's cool. But other than that, no, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of sketches, but we've never submitted our sketches to any sketch festivals or anything like that. Um, because at the time my sketch group, they were like, uh, I don't really, you know, we have to consider traveling. We have to, you know, um, all this. And it's like, I don't really think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do that. And our sketch group only had four people. Now it was down to three. Well, then it was down to three. Now it's pretty much me and one other guy. And we haven't got, been able to get together to do any sketches virtually or otherwise for almost a year now. So. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, the question I'm going to ask you regarding festivals, do you think it's essential for comics to do festivals or do you think it's a point, it's a thing of wait until you're ready, don't rush into it? Oh, okay. So um, my take on that is that okay, there's, there's, there's two different schools of thought. And this, this applies to either, you know, even going to LA, like going to Hollywood or going to New York. And it's like, sometimes people will say, don't go until you're ready because um, they'll remember you. And if, it, if you had a shit show, they'll be like, oh, there's that guy with that shit show. But there's other, the other school of thought where it's like, no, go and do it and then do it again and, do it and show them that you're growing, you know, as a comedian, as, as a writer or whatever. Um, I tend to believe the later, the, you know, the, the, the latter, that you should apply and let the people see that you're growing. Now, as far as do I think they're essential, I, the exposure you get in a, in a festival is pretty good. You know, you're getting people who are serious comics. Um, there's panel discussions. There's, there's agents and managers. Um, there's, you know, it's, it's, but from some people just insist though, uh, no, it's, a, it's all political. It depends on who you know and all this stuff. That might be true. I doubt it. I think it sounds like sour grapes. To me, fuck, you know, keep on, it's, it's like, okay, well, I haven't got any more festivals. I'm going to keep writing. Something's got to work eventually. But I think you should, I think everyone should be in festivals. I think, I think the progression typically that I've seen goes, Festivals to get a manager. Manager gets you booked. Then you can do your road comic, you know? Um, yeah, and you can do like touring stuff and all that. Right, right. But you're not going to get a manager. The manager's going to ask you, okay, what festivals have you done? Oh, none? Okay. Um, that's tough, you know? Yeah, it'll be like, how many festivals have you done? None. Oh, fuck. Ah, oh, fuck. Like that. So, um, but i think it is interesting because i know quite a few comics who said oh i really want to do like stuff like um here in the uk our biggest comedy festival is edinburgh yeah edinburgh is our big sort of festival and um you know the thing thing is with edinburgh the one thing that edinburgh will do to you is it will fuck you up financially edinburgh is the biggest like money drainer i've seen on 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 the circuit like like you ask anyone who's done Edinburgh Fringe, or we we just call it Edinburgh Festival. Anyone who's done Edinburgh will know how much like you invest into it. Like I think if if you're gonna do like a week's worth of your shows down there, you're looking at a good couple of thousand. Wow. For that week, and that's not including the submission fee as well. I think the submission fee is something like a hundred and seventy something. And then you've got to invest the money into the shows and everything. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, 
but but everyone knows the the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, you know, like if you did the um, you know, say Gloucester had a small one, yeah, <laughs> you know, then it's like, hey, you doing the Gloucester Film Fest? It's like, you know, fuck yeah, why not? You first of all, you think you have a better shot, and it's probably gonna be cheaper, you know. To me, those are the <laughs> those are the easy wins that I would try for. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the one I'm doing. Uh, not not obviously Gloucester, but uh, the Guildford one I'm doing. That that's only been going eight years, and it's a relatively it's the youngest fringe festival out of all of them in the UK. And it's it, with it being the youngest, it's not the biggest either, which is good because you know people like me. I've only been going three years. This is going to be my first hour. You know, loads of comics have said to me, "Look, you're going to be." having to do it for a very long time to get a one hour show. You know, mm. you have to have the right stuff. But I think with me, because I'm a musician as well, you know, the way I see it is that I could do, I could just write 30 minutes of material and then the other half hour is just what I call stupid songs. You know, I just right. use stupid, stupid songs and as long as I make, like blend the material and the musical elements together, you know, you it. I, I, I'm not saying it's easy to put a one-hour show together. It's well. Plus, you know, if you consider by the time it takes you to set up there, plug in the mic, do your sound check, and all that stuff, you're like, okay, I just got song time for one song. I'm, I'm out of here, guys. You know. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think what's good for festivals, especially the one I'm doing, um, you pay the fee for the festival, you get your spot, and they help you for the whole all the way so box office stuff flyering mm. and I, I already know what it will be a case of um with my show is that i think they're gonna put me on late evening because mine's sort of like 15 plus rating because of <laughs> talking about jimmy savile and pretty much calling yeah, everyone you know right. and then you've got that element to it and it will be you'll get there like there'll be like three or four shows in that venue it will be you'll spend most of that day just trying to get people to come to your show mm -hmm. and then you'll the last show before yours will get out that venue and you'll be straight in literally i've seen it before where one person is literally just coming out like that and then the uh -huh. other person's like crossing yeah get straight in and then you've got to literally as you say plug the mic in do all sound check and everything and then before you know it the audience are coming in and the mm. fact that the festival is a mix of free stuff and um paid stuff you know um my show that i'm doing uh called cool town talk too much stay too long i'm doing a little plug there because i'm a little um pr slut that's why i am i'm a little pr little slut but uh, my my show is how much am i charging people I think I'm charging people um, four four pounds in British money, which mm -hmm. yes, I'm doing a <laughs> uh, conversion because I can't do maths. I bet it's like five bucks. Uh, I think I think it's about there. Let me four GB. It's about uh, five dollars forty-seven. Five dollars forty-seven cents. That's what I'm guessing. And it, yeah, yeah, because Google told me it. Oh, I was gonna say, I was gonna, I was thinking 547 and a half, depending on the fluctuation, new president. Um, give or take a half cent. 
you guys call it a half half penny. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's like I think the way the reason why I've done it like that with it being four pounds is that then if you people will go to those festivals for the free stuff, but if you can entice them in with a cheap like price, people will go, oh, why don't we go see that? It's cheap, even if you've never been heard about before. People will go for the cheap stuff. That's just because British people love cheap stuff. Well, I mean, until you're a big name too, you know, who's going who's gonna to sling four, four quid for you? Huh? Exactly. Like, um, one of my mates are doing the same festival as well. And his show, I think it's his first show he's ever done. And he's charging like um, nine, nine, nine quid. Um, which guess what? Conversion time again. Uh, oh, which, which comes to about twelve thirty. Uh, like seventeen seventy. I don't know. It's probably like some seventeen seventy eight or something. I don't know. It comes to twelve thirty one in yours. Oh, how many? How many pounds did you say it was? Uh, nine. Nine. Oh, I thought you said thirteen. I um. <laughs> so you know, this is an interesting thing with um philosophy too. Though there's the um. You, you guys have Hagen dazs ice cream over there? Yeah, we do. So that's made out of New York. Um, Hagen dazs doesn't mean anything. It was just some guy, it was a marketing ploy. Um, they made it an expensive ice cream, even though there's nothing expensive really in it. The idea is if you overprice for something, then you'll still get some people who might be like, oh, this must be quality shit. You know, the downturn obviously is, um, you know, when your three Spotify um, listeners go and they're like, I can't believe I paid nine quid for this. And, uh, you know, but you know, if you, if you, if you sell it too cheap, then people might say, Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't know. It, it sounds like it might, might be shitty, you know? Yeah. And I think obviously you haven't seen the, um, talk too much, stay too long show. It's not, I, I don't know if you have, you might've been watching the last preview. <laughs> that, that smile doesn't fucking help. <laughs> You've, you have, haven't you? You've been watching. You. Probably. <laughs> he has. He's been like, hmm, talk too much, stay too long. I wonder what to expect, considering I'm one of the support on the next one. <coughs> it's like, hmm, what should I get into? Should I wait and see what the show entails or spoil it for myself so then I know what's coming? Everyone's got to do homework. <laughs> you... Do homework? Fucking hell. I thought you were just a guy who loved fisting Muppets. Now, in fairness, I've never fisted mon um, monkeys or Muppets. Um, I've never fisted Muppets. Jim Hansen is the one notorious for that. God rest his soul. Wow. Um, but sort of going back to like sort of... Uh, I do fist sock puppets. Yeah. Ooh, sock puppets. They're fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they are just like, hey, would you? I'm not even going to make a puppet penis joke. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to ruin children's lives forever, just like Jimmy Savile. Anyway, right, moving on. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, sort of going back to Reckless because you know, uh, you 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 were a surprise when you came to Reckless. To be fair. Um, I think I can't remember what show was your first one you did. I think it was I think yeah. it was the improv one. I think. Right. 
right you know i just randomly dragged you on i didn't even know you prior to it it was like hmm, this kurt guy looks all right and you've been here ever since yeah it's, it's a funny crew those guys like um because i've known jimmy from um uh, the lockdown uh what is it called <clears throat> jimmy longmire John oh Mir. yeah yeah <clears throat> i've known him for a while i've done one of his shows so i, I I knew what some of those, I, I like, I think that's where I met my, um, Mike Monkhouse. But, <laughs> we'll um, talk about him in a minute. <clears throat> but yeah, but, but, you know, Mike, Emmanuel, um, um, and um, what's his name? The other two guys there, the long hair, um, Harry Potter fan. Oh, Simon. 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 Yeah. And of course, your, your, your buddy, Ryan. Um, you know, really interesting dynamic in that room. It's, it's a, it's, for me, that's like 9.30 in the morning. And um, it's a great way of starting the day. You know what I mean? Is with those, that, that group. Yeah, and then ever since then, you, from your little humble, reckless beginnings, <laughs> you then expanded into making your sort of reckless sketch debut as, um, well, Chris, a different version of Chris compared to the movie night Chris. Right. Same name, two different characters. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then now you're, to be fair, I think it's safe to say you're a reckless regular, really. Oh yeah, I love, I love the, the organization, you know. What organization? We don't have any. Do you, you know what, you're fucking, you could have said it was an organization and kept it professional, goddammit. Okay. <laughs> that, the, the, loose, the loose conglomeration of people held together with chewing gum that we know is reckless is... Um, <laughs> I, I did not even know that chewing gum was strong enough to hold us. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? Who fucking I guess knew? it was old enough. But um, in terms of like reckless um, comics, obviously you, you name dropped a few of them. Let's talk about um, Michael Monkhouse, mm -hmm. that guy. Have you managed to have a serious conversation with him yet? Um, we've had text conversations, but not like, oh yeah, actually we did. <clears throat> um, we were talking about books before the other show, um, before people were all coming in, it was he, he and I were talking about um, the catcher in the rye and literature and stuff. Um, you know, and I remember, so uh, right before lockdown happened as well, um, I was going to go to Sacramento for a pun competition. Uh -huh. And that got canceled because of COVID. Um, but there was also one that was happening monthly in LA and it was called the, the pun shout like a punch out but punch out oh, and right. um I was scheduled for that too but they ended up doing it virtually and the one time they did it virtually I did I I, I came in first place that was awesome and fun um Woo. but puns puns man I mean it's like I a lot of my comedy is dad jokes and stuff like that so it's like those are puns are kind of dad jokey you know yeah. but man they are like the, the booker at Flappers Comedy Club, he said straight out, he does not like puns. You know, mm -hmm. don't do them. Um, I think, uh, was it, what's his name? Oscar Wilde, I believe he said that, I want to say he said puns are the lowest form of comedy. <laughs> I have no idea. I am not high brow enough for that crap. But yeah, he, um, I, I, you know, every, every time you're talking to Mike Monkhouse, you know the puns are going to be flying. Mainly about Spice Girls. 
Right. Yeah. If you're lucky. Yeah. No, if even you're if you're unlucky. If you're lucky, you might get something sophisticated. That's um, if you're lucky. You never know. At this moment in time, Kurt's doing research about Oscar Wilde, so um, this might take a while. Um, but before we talk uh, further about Oscar Wilde, we do have to talk about our self. Um, lowest form of wit. Sorry. Sarcasm is the lowest form of wit. It wasn't a pun. God, so stupid. You've been taking drugs today or something, Kurt? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> that eyebrow raise does not fucking help. <laughs> I'm not a crack addict! <laughs> uh, we have to quickly talk about our sponsor because at the time this episode will go out, uh, this episode is actually spot sponsored by Ditto Music, who are um, a wonderful music distribution company, and they are distributing uh, my album, my debut comedy album called Jim Nash vs. Australia, which at the time when this episode goes out, is out now, hopefully. If it isn't, someone fucked up along the line. <laughs> but yeah, um, big thank you to Ditto Music for sponsoring this um, episode. You could have chosen any other guest's episode to fucking sponsor and you decided to go for this one. But um, thank you for sharing out my album. And now back to the normal schedule of making dick jokes. Isn't it a schedule over there? Isn't it a schedule? I think so. <laughs> I don't fucking know. You were saying when um, they helped with the um, distribution. Uh, yeah. We say distribution. You said something like distribution. Distrib That's stuff. just me. I can't talk for shit. Well, do you say aluminum or do you say aluminium? Aluminum. Oh, I say that again? Aluminum. Huh. How about <laughs> linoleum? Wait, what? Linoleum, you know, the stuff you put on the floor? Linoleum? Melonium? What? Why are you bullying me? <laughs> Just saying, someday you'll be a homeowner, and they're going to say, your, your wife or husband will say, okay, what are we going to put in this kitchen? Because the floor looks like shit. <laughs> huh. I was thinking carpet. And they're going to say, no, let's put linoleum. And you got to say, I've never heard that goddamn word in my life. <laughs> oh my fucking god. Um, but um, are you familiar with the, uh, I, I presume you're in that um, Facebook group, uh, Displaced Comedians? Yes. Yes. Uh -huh. Very good group. Very good group. Um, I quite enjoy being in that group. There's some funny people in there. Um, and some of them have been on Reckless as well. You being one of them. Don't know what fucking bad decision I made there, but it must have been a drunk one night stand one because I'm still here. I never left. I never. Le I was that one night stand that never left. Like, hey, you want coffee? <laughs> like, hey, you want coffee? I'll make dinner tonight. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't get up, boo. I'll get. Yeah, it. Don't get up. Stay there. St stay the fuck there. <laughs> oh, but um, what, what, um, with displaced comedians, uh, is there, there? There's loads of gigs on there. Um, do you have a favorite gig that you've done through? Oh, of course. My gig, it's the end of the world set list um, on you, Thursday nights. You self-obsessed little fuck. <laughs> that eyebrow again. <laughs> but um, apart from your own. Ah. 
apart from my own. On displaced com um, comedians, geez, <clears throat> um, it's it's hard to say because almost every mic is on there now. Um, I do another one on on Monday nights. That's a lot of fun too. I run that at Flappers Comedy. Um, but non mine, the ones that aren't mine, you know. And honestly, I I just started night school too, so I've been <clears throat> taking a lot of workshops and classes. But the ones I I try not to miss is uh, like the big ones. Uh, the backline and um, the uh, the blue mic, those are big ones. Big crowds, a lot of exposure for you know what we have. Um, but uh, oh, uh, um, Sam's his um, hypothetical comedy that's pretty fun. Anarchy, I think you got um, you're going to be on Anarchy on Friday. Yeah, I've, um, I've done Anarchy a few times. Talking about Anarchy, there was a little bit of a um, I don't know if you saw on I think it's online open mic hosts. I think um, Sam posted something regarding um, an act. I don't know if you saw saw about that. Oh no! Um, I thought because the Anarchy was always uh, Erica. I I know they had a different one now. Um, well, Anarchy is still hosted by Erica and Brooke. Brooke Barcel also mm -hmm. helps out with that every week. But um, a, a thing came out uh, really recently that um, after the Anarchy, Mike. Uh, a guy called um, Jason Borland came on, uh, also known as Jason Griffiths, who turned up to one of our uh, movie nights. Mm -hmm. um, he 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 accused me and he called me and Brooke spinners. Oh, you mean like spinners, like people who old people who don't never got married? No, uh, I think the way there was a long discussion about it, the spinner's term was used as in a sexual term. And so it was a whole harassment case, pretty much. Huh, okay. So that guy's just been um, hugely um, banned from loads of gigs. Uh, he's just sort of got the exposure for um, harassment. Um, Did you say Peter, Peter Griffin? Uh, Jason Griffiths. Okay, I was gonna say Peter Griffin. He's from he's Family Guy. No, I fucking know that. <laughs> but yeah, this whole harassment thing came out um, after Anarchy because he turned up because Anarchy had finished, and about then five or six other people just randomly turned up mm -hmm. after Anarchy was finished because normally after the gig we end up just chatting shit for about half hour, and uh -huh. Jason was one of them, and me and Brooke were you know pissing about just doing handstands you know uh -huh. um and the thing that pissed me off about all these things that came out from it is that they mentioned that there was two women doing handstands <laughs> and i think it's like kim i mean kim was all right i mean i wouldn't push push her away but uh fuck you <laughs> fuck you <laughs> but no like it was like oh there was these um two women doing handstands and I knew immediately that was directed towards me and Brooke mm. and I, I just jumped onto it and I said I was there when this happened I am the so-called other woman I'm not a woman and I got really pissed off about it and then they were like oh can you clarify that this happened and it's like well what, what the fuck like it's like I just saw what I saw and they're like oh he apparently said spinners in, in the Zoom chat, and it's like, I had the chat open. I never saw spinners once. Mm. 
you know, that's, that's something interesting. Like, you know, I heard about someone else. He was at the uh, Mojo mic and he said something <clears throat> um, very inappropriate and very sexist and um, sexual harass harass like um, in his jokes, I guess, or maybe it was directed by to somebody. And then the, the following night he was going to be on, uh, it was a mic I've done before with a guy. I, I, I try to remember. Um, shit. But oh, anyway, <clears throat> I I was at the the mic the next night, and there was nothing inappropriate. But but yeah, it doesn't take long before people are outed as being creepy. Um, and if you're not part of the displaced comedians, man, there's very very little you can do online uh, on comedy. You know. Um, Almost all of it's on there now, you know, and yeah, so news travels fast on that site, man, you know, and, and I remember people asking me before, like, all right, for your mic, what do you do if someone's, you know, does, says something creepy or sexist? So like, I haven't run into it yet, you know? Um, yeah, with me, the, the way I sound on it, I'm, I'm in the same position. I've not had that happen yet, but the way I do it in my head, and I, and I always say this to any other person who hosts like a reckless mic so whether that's um christine she sometimes christine knowlton sometimes uh -huh. uh, jumps on and hosts michael monkhouse hosts um our saturday shows but the one thing i always say to the host is if you feel like something's off with that person during that set whether that's just a gut instinct or a brain instinct kick them off like act act now rather than let someone else deal with it yeah yeah because in the virtual world you know it's 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 a bit different now you know what i mean like like for one thing people just starting comedy in on zoom they have it a lot easier than we did starting on a stage or in your case a floor um yeah. but but you know, it, this this networking now. There's a big mesh network of all these these fucking you know com comedians, and if you fuck up somewhere, I mean that is a wildfire. That you know it's, you know it, now there's people in all over the world who know you as being an, an, a dick. You know, um, have, now speaking of that though, have you been zoom bombed yet, or have you been on a show that was zoom bombed? Uh, no, not yet. I have early on. Please tell us about it. <laughs> Oh Lord. Okay. I got to be careful here. So I think it was, a, uh, yeah, it was a Boston mic um, or maybe Connecticut. It was somewhere in New England. And um, the, uh, we're chatting, we're doing our things. There's like five guys. Okay. We're all doing our sets. Not like it's a guy's mic. It's just how the chips fell. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, there's someone who wouldn't show their camera and the name was something weird. It was like Kim Nash. And um, well, it was something like that. I can't remember exactly. You know, it was a while ago. This is back in March. This is fucking early on. Wow. Um, and then all of a sudden, we see um, a, a black guy sucking the dick of a white guy. Uh, very, very aggressively. Um, and noisily. Um, and that video is put up on the screen between comedians and it's like okay what is this someone's bit you know i was like what's what's going on here and it went on now it probably went on for maybe 
a minute, but it felt like five. Like, okay, this guy's gonna run the light doing this shit, you know. Um, but it was like I was looking at the the guy who's running it, and he's like, he's just kind of watching too. And I was like, is this, you know, was this an actual zoom bomb, or is this someone being like, hey, I'm gonna do, you know, I'm gonna show this, you know? I would. <clears throat> I, everyone as soon as it was taken off and the guy was you know left which because i don't think he was kicked out i think he was left this was still early with zoom people didn't understand all the controls yet you know um yeah. and uh everyone's like what the hell was that you know and all that stuff um now the the guy who run it who, who ran it he was also the headliner um which just as a side note that's fucked up usually you run it you open you know i mean it's just polite you know you don't you don't make yourself the headliner for every show anyway he's talking about how he's questioning his sexuality and i was like maybe he fucking did put that on there just to see people's reaction you know i don't know so it was it was just it was uncomfortable and weird um and then you know you know with 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 the culture now you can't just come out and talk about like, Jesus, who would put that, you know, even if you're gonna say something about that gay, you know, film, you can't be like attacking gays because you, you don't want people to think you don't like homosexuals. But also you're not gonna sit there and be like, I, I say keep it running, you know what I mean? Because it was clearly inappropriate. Um, it was, I don't know, it was like, what the fuck was it? I, I haven't been back to that mic, <laughs> you know, just because I was like, I'm I'm on the fence if it was even a zoom bomb or if it was planted, you know. I hate to think it was planted, but it was weird, and it was like, eh, you know. Wow, I'm I'm trying to get that image out of my fucking head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, it was, you know, it it may have only been about thirty seconds, but it felt like a long ass time, you know. Um, but yeah, so I was like, holy shit. Yeah, Someone stop I, this crap. I, like I say, at the moment, I don't think in Reckless's history, I don't think we've had to kick someone off a gig at the time of recording. We've not had to kick anyone off. I think we've had to give someone a warning just to say, like, look, you can't, you, you've got to change your, your material, otherwise I'm never booking you again. Like mm -hmm. I say, with the Jason um, Borland guy or the Jason Griffiths guy, he is not welcome at anything Reckless does now. So mm -hmm. if, and I'll be telling, uh, I think at the time, at the time this episode goes out, probably the whole, well, the whole online comedian scene knows about it. But if that guy turns up to your mic, mm -hmm. whether that's under the name Jason Borland or Jason Griffiths, don't let him in. All right, I'm gonna make, a sh make sure he's not part of the groups. Yeah, I'll, I can I can send you the names as well. Okay. Cause that'll. Yeah, so you know we're we're talking earlier about <clears throat> our cringy stuff that we've talked about early in our comedy. Good um, segue. Good segue there, Kurt. Yeah, I thought so. Um, <laughs> Great. Uh, sexual harassment has never been, you know, something people should joke about. You know, and it, but but here's the thing: say this, Jason Borland did it on a stage. Yeah. Okay. Now you can never be in Burbank again, or never, now you can't ever be in Bakersfield or Phoenix. Yeah. In Zoom now, you can't fucking be anywhere. You know. Yeah, you're fucked. Yeah. You are. You are. F 
fuck now, man. I'm like, why? Just keep your fucking comments to yourself for fuck's sake. And like, like this is just genuinely a, a PSA to anyone listening to this who runs a mic and has, or, or even in real life, and has had to deal with someone like that. Don't, don't let it slide. Fucking expose the cunts, in my, yeah. in my opinion. Just expose them. You know? Yeah, you because know, as soon as it turns your mic toxic, you're not going to have a mic anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah, if you, if you let it go on for too long, you know, comics will say, nah, this mic is terrible. And then once again, it's the wildfire effect. You know, mm-hmm. everyone finds out that your mic is terrible and is toxic and not a safe yeah. space. When they should find that out themselves. Yeah. For other reasons. Holy <laughs> fucking hell, man. Oh, what's a good segue now? Um, okay, so going back to sort of festivals, and you said you did the New York Underground um, Festival this year. Mm-hmm. How long was uh, the show you were doing? Was it a short show or was it a long? I, I want to say it was like five or six minutes. So okay. really got... I, I was expecting something like half hour out of you. Oh, shit. That would have been awesome. But, you know, I, I did my first half hour, uh, I think it was about two years ago now. Um, it was a chili pepper challenge. So you, we had to eat. It was called the Hot Ones or the Hotties of Comedy. And it was in Fresno. No, it was actually Tulare, right next to Fresno, California. And it was um, chocolate bars that were um, infused with, um, with chili pepper. But not just anyone. It was like Dead Man, South Carolina Reaper. It, the chili pepper itself hasn't even been marketed. But this this powder or this this bar, there's there's like it's part of a challenge. See if you can eat it. Well, this one was like, hey, eat it and then do your set, you know. And um, they're like, Kurt, will you headline? I was like, um, sure. You have to eat chili pep, uh, a chili infused, you know, chocolate bar. Fuck, it, I'm game. Sure, you know, and um. Everyone who went before me, were, uh, oh, and to lead up to it, I was, I was doing like, I don't know if you've seen the hot ones on TV. It's, um, I, I think so. One of my, okay, so, the, you know, they, the, it's an interview when you eat hot wings, progressively hotter and hotter. One of my friends ordered me one of those bottles that, I mean, it's strong as shit. I was getting myself used to chili pepper and, you know, building up my tolerance before the show. Because, like, I, I don't want to make an ass of myself. Uh-huh. This is fucked up. Okay, so everyone who went up, um, they'd burp and be like, oh my God, don't burp. It makes it way worse. Oh my God. Oh my God. So now it's my turn. Okay, go up there. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Do my bit. I feel a burp. I keep it down. It's like, I'm not going to burp. These guys said don't burp. Um, I just finished. I just got the light. I'm wrapping up. And all of a sudden, I double down in pain. This is. It's like someone sh- stuck a a rusty screwdriver in my stomach. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I gotta, I gotta get to the bathroom. I get up there and I'm like rolling around in a disgusting bar bathroom around the toilet until, you know, and this guy, the, the booker was like, hey, anything I can give you? I was like, I said, give me some, give, give me some soda, give me something. When I finally burped, luckily it wasn't a fart. It probably would have ripped my pants. I burped and I felt better. But I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I looked like a pussy. The last, I just needed to get a little, you know, just, you know, I got the light. So my time, I did my time, but I was just doubled over. And if I only burped, I would have been fine. But I was like, I'm not going to burp. 
and this, that gas in my stomach fucking tore me up until I had a, a ginger ale, burped, everything was fine. Everyone was like, oh my God, are you okay? You, geez, you really thought we, you know, you're in trouble. No, no, I just had to burp. And I felt like such a pussy, you know? Uh, sucked. Wow. My God. I, wow. Uh, obviously, when this episode does go out, um, Kurt would have just done uh, another one of our Reckless mics, right. which is our Reckless Showcase, where he's going to attempt to do, I think, 15 minutes you're going for. Yeah. I won't be attempting. I'm not going to be eating chili pepper. I'll be able to get through it. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll just um, get him to try and, I, I don't know, we'll... When we're allowed to meet in real life, we'll we'll get him to do something fucking stupid. <laughs> just a matter of time. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. One day we'll get you to do the most stupid this fucking thing. Okay, so I just looked. I don't have Jason on any of my stuff, so thank God. Thank fuck. Like literally, if if his name comes up, like just boom, bye bye. Like fuck you. Why am I saying fuck you to someone? I Rhett don't even know. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck. Uh, the joys of Zoom. You can't punch someone for telling them to fuck off. Right. Uh, but yeah, as I say, when this episode goes out, uh, Kurt would have just done 15 minutes. Um, did he do well? I don't fucking know. <laughs> the joys of doing a pre-record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the joy we can we can brace ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can watch you can watch the setback on uh, Facebook when it's out. I'm now confusing myself. <laughs> Wait a minute, is now the future? Right, this is not a TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a TED talk. Um, but one of the things uh, I'm going to be doing now in all the Reckless podcasts when we do talk to comics who have done Reckless is what has been your favourite or either your number one favourite or your top three Reckless moments or the bits that genuinely like, made you reconsider what the fuck you've done? Hmm. Well, clearly the, um, the uh, Tourette's one made me rethink I'm going to make sure that Kim knows I don't like playing people with disabilities because that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> uh -huh. I did not tell you to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. Chase did. Chase Chase did. is a completely different guy. Right. You're right. Okay. Um, uh, the other really impactful one, though, was my I, – I looked, I, I looked forward to the Tuesday mornings with the, um, the improv group, you know, the uh, improv comedy. With uh, with Simon and Ryan and Emmanuel, Mike, um, those are a lot of fun, you know. Because to me, it's early morning, you know. So I'm just waking up. Um, those guys, you know, it's it's night for you guys, but it's it's a fun, it's a it's there's fun energy in that room. Um, top three. So I need one more, huh? Hmm. I probably uh, let's see. This is so interesting seeing Kurt trying to remember, like trying to think, what, what's the most fucked up thing I've done for these fuckers? There's been so many fucked up things. I mean, like the puppet fisting. Um, <laughs> at, like after, and that came after one of the Tuesday morning, well, for me, Tuesday morning um, improv shows. And um, that night, or the, uh, a couple days later, I did it at Flappers. And yeah, it, old lady in the audience just, you know, 
free, you know, I'm taken aback a little bit, but I was like, oh, I don't care. I'm leaning in. And, um, you know, I apologize for her that no one told her that um, Jim Henson was, you know, violently fisting Muppets. But anyway, you know, jeez. <laughs> um, because <clears throat> the other two that stand out a lot, too, is the pillow sex. Um, oh, for fuck's sake, fuck you. <laughs> so aggressive, you know. Your pillow said that you were a lover, not a fighter. I don't know where this aggression is coming from, um, and and that just that stems from your your uh, thing calling up one of your friends about sleeping with pillows and and um, probably doing other inappropriate things with pillows. So that was that. That's something else that always stands out. And then um, one of the guys brought up nugget sex. Oh, no, I think it was Michael, I think, at one point. I think it might have been Manuel. Oh, no, no. Oh, yeah, now I know what show you're on about now. Oh, fuck me. Fuck no. Never fucking again. <laughs> Which I I'm surprised you're, you know, you have such an aversion to it, um, liking pillow sex. To me, it's so close to nugget porn. I fucking love this guy. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I do agree with you. Reckless makes you do some fucked up shit, mm -hmm. and I think it raises the question of if it was real life, how the fuck would Reckless be allowed to get away with it? Behind closed doors, um, not streaming. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it would have to be like a private audience. Like you have to be there and everyone has to sign like a disclaimer. Like they have to like sign a document saying not to talk about it. Yeah, so you probably see the same thing at the um at uh Tara's um Russian roulette. Um the um like the for my set list, Mike, <clears throat> I some of those guys have been like, Hey, can we stream this? And half of the group was like, Don't stream oh, it. No. These these are things they're you know, for people who aren't aware, like setless or this this improv comedy, you're you're sent a line and you have to think of a joke on your feet. When comics think on their feet, sometimes it's very dark and twisted and fucked up. Um, it's not like a polished joke that you're going to perform for people. Um, it's just what you can think of on your feet. So a lot of that shit is very inappropriate um, and very messed up. Um, not all of it, but you don't know what's going to bubble to your subconsciousness when you hear something about pillow sex and you know and and you might not want people to think like you know my brand is is very clean um but when you're i'm throwing something like <clears throat> you know um well like puppets the uh, like the muppet thing then you know i started talking about jim henson fisting puppets which i normally would never talk about um so not having it, not, you know, that group was like, we're not, we're never going to have this stream. We don't want it shared anywhere because this is not our brand. This is just us thinking on our feet. And the um, improv, the, the reckless comedy to me, not the showcases, the showcases are regular. This is your standup set, but any improv comedy, you gotta be very careful how fucked up it gets, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think Reckless treads on that line pretty well. And that's that's sort of why we don't like, um, with the movie night show, that's why that it has to be, you're either in the Zoom room to see that. Right. Otherwise, yeah, we might release the odd couple of things showing some, like the toned down sort of stuff. 
okay, that virtual sex scene wasn't toned down because they had Brooke literally making sex noises and moves. Right. And you've got you going, fuck, fuck, cunt, like, and it's like, you've got two different opposites there. You've got you who was like, why the fuck am I doing this? I'm, I'm just doing this not to be a dick. And then- Oh, why was I doing it? By the direction of Chase? <laughs> yeah. To be fair though, wait, right, okay. Because the show we're on about, that one time, because my internet was so bad, I weren't there for 75% of it. So I, I'm not quite, all I heard when I came back in was cream cheese. Can yeah. you please explain to me what the fuck happened in how the sewers work in hell? Had to do with cream cheese? Yeah, oh. how about, just in general. <clears throat> Well, because, um, you know, working in hell, um, there's, it's, it's not always the best work environment. Some might even say it's unpleasant. Um, and uh, there's bagels. There's all the bagels you want to eat in the break room, but there's no cream cheese. So, um, hence, that, that, and that's not the worst part about working in hell in the sewers. Um, but it is something. It is one of the um, the facets. The people that's often often overlooked. You know, um, I mean, how could you work in any place and have dry bagels without cream cheese? It's uh, you know, it's 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 like you know, for smokers, it's like okay, I'll give you all the cigarettes you want, but you can't have any matches. You know. <laughs> so, but what happened during that sketch? Um, Brooke's character, Deb, uh, had a backed up toilet in hell. Um, and I was the manager. So I was, um, I was, I was working under the tutelage of Mike Monkhouse, who was my mentor. Um, and I had someone working for me that might've been Ryan. Um, and, uh, I was directing him on how to, how to, clean toilets or, or, or clear plumbing in hell. Um, and because it's hell and we're already down, then the plumbing all went up. So it was an interesting um, dynamic there. But uh, oh, we also had HR, that was um, Juliana. She was our HR person who had to smooth over things when we were, were um, dealing with unruly customers or shitty service, literally shitty service. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty much what we talked about for like 20 minutes. Yeah, and then I came in and just doing, just started whatever the fuck ensued for the next 25 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I remember it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how you remember it. It's like, I bet your reaction when, when he came in, it was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah. I bet everyone's reaction was like, oh, fuck, Chase is back. Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah, I mean, I live alone when I don't have my kids here. So it was, I was very fortunate for that. You know, I think my dog was looking at me with some curious faces, like, what's going on? Oh, yeah, I remember that because it was during the sex scene part and you kept looking off camera like, what the fuck are you looking at? And no joke, I genuinely thought like you had like, maybe your 
maybe a child or your or wife nearby hearing all she heard going, ah, ah, like that and it's like oh my fucking god it certainly wouldn't be my wife that's that uh I'm, <laughs> or my ex-wife fucking hell um talking about uh your family's sort or of relationship obviously you you say you've got kids um the one thing I've noticed with comics is that some comics tell a story um, just to try and get the laughs. Now, the story I'm going to ask you about mm -hmm. is the story you say about your brother yeah. and your wife. Yeah. With the deepest respect, is that honestly a true story? Yep. Happened on Valentine's. What? On Valentine's, Valentine's as well? What the fuck? Yeah, it was actually our anniversary. It was our first date was on Valentine's Day, and that was the day I walked in on my twin fucking my brother, my um, my my wife. Yep. That awkward silence is needed. Yeah, that's you know, um, and the thing is, I tried joking about that, um, because here's the thing, I I forgave them and still tried to make the marriage work, um, because at the time we had a child and. And I grew up as a single, you know, uh, as a single child. I, I grew up with a single mother, <clears throat> me and my brothers. And we all promised we'd never leave our kids, you know. Um, and anyway, we ended up having more kids and all that stuff. And I, and I stayed married for like 17 years um, till she just started showing signs of ch more cheating. And I was like, I can't do this shit again. And my kids are older. They should understand by now, you know, that I, I you know, there's a point where it's more detrimental to stay there for the kids than it is to leave. Um, I didn't want my kids to think, hey, this is how your wife or husband can treat you, you know? Um, they had to know that it's fucked up and had, something had to stop. So, um, so, you know, that it took me like three years before I could start talking about that on stage and it sucked the air out of the room and I could never get it back. And I was like, good, fuck it. I don't want to talk about it anyway. Um, but now I started getting to it again. And, <clears throat> um, you know, I feel now that it's, it's punched up where, enough where it's still, it will get some laughs, where at least now it's comedy. It's not me just bitching, you know? Um, but yeah, that's very true. And um, yeah, it, I know a lot of people are like, oh man, I've always fantasized about having twins. Well, Consensually, that would be a that would be a um, a fantasy, but yeah. um, uh, not when it's your wife and you're walking in and it's you know then it's fucked up. Okay, this is going to sound like a weird question, in line with the brother fucking your wife thing. Mm -hmm. When you have, I presume you've told this joke in person, like like on a in person stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Has your brother ever turned up? to one of your shows and you've told that joke? He lives on the other side of the country. Okay, thank fuck. I, I barely, How awkward would that be? Like, try, like, I, I barely talked to him, you know. Um, if he has seen the set, good, I don't give a shit. Um, I know my lawyer says that I shouldn't talk about it, but I don't think, I, and I know my lawyer has seen my comedy before too. Um, uh, and so has my ex-wife's lawyer. But I need those hits on my YouTube channel, so I just keep them going. So <laughs> I need the views, motherfucker. Exactly. <laughs> the comment, yeah, like and comment. Hey, share. You know, 
You're a lawyer. I can't. Yeah, I can't like comment and money. share. You know, yeah. like comment and share so you can pay for my court case. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, he said several times too. And I remember when I, before I started bringing this, this set back, my lawyer was saying, don't joke about it. And I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't joke about this. My lawyer's not. But the thing is, fuck it. This, I'm not, it's not slander. It's not untrue. It's true stuff that happened. And it's like, fuck it. Who am I trying to protect? Her? Fuck her, you know? So, yeah. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. And now I, I don't have that set um, on my YouTube channel yet. Um, but because I'm probably, I've got trial next week. And I'm hoping that will finally close the book on this shit. And I can just, I, I will put it public at that point. Wow, I, I, I didn't realize it's still an ongoing thing. Oh, yeah. Five years. Yeah. Fuck me. Six. Oh, six now. No, five. Yeah. Fucking. So, so let me try and put this into context for anyone who's still fucking shocked at this. Kurt, this thing has been going on as long as your comedy career. Yeah. My yep. fucking God. Yeah. So, and it's, and it's, you know, it's legally separated, but not divorced. Divorce is when it's all done. The court is done. You paid this much. This is yours. This is yours. Split. In the meantime, everything's in limbo. It's, I'm still paying a lot. Um, but now I just got laid off. So that, that's part of the court uh, next week. Um, but there's still, there hasn't been anything finalized about visitation or about um, payments or um, the properties, nothing like that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's been a very painful five years trying to get that shit done. Wow. <laughs> I, I really hope your ex-wife isn't listening to this podcast. You, you think she's one of the three on Spotify who subscribed to you? <laughs> imagine, right, just to try and imagine this, she's searching up your name and she finds this episode. She finds this episode, next minute, you know, the whole court thing's finished. The next minute, your lawyer tells you, yeah, Kurt, you, you're back in court again because of that podcast episode thingy you did. And say, hey, Kim, did your membership jump up to four? <laughs> <laughs> and it was worth it. Then it was worth it. It was fucking worth it. And then you just ring me up like, um, could you transfer me a lot of money? <laughs> and it's like why because thanks to your big gob i'm now back in court <clears throat> oh, but um i think that cough helped me transition into the next thing obviously most recently uh you did uh, a couple of extra shows while suffering from covid yeah <laughs> how much obviously i know covid affects people in different ways and the obvious signs of how it affects people but did it affect the way you did virtual shows? Um, yeah, well, the sense that I was sleeping like maybe 18 hours a day, so I was barely writing anything anymore. Um, <clears throat> I would do like one or two shows and that was it. Or, you know, or one mic. Actually, I don't think I did any. I think I backed out of almost all the mics um, just doing shows. Yeah, because I think I, I remember when you told us you had it, you were, I think it was about an hour or so before you were due to do one of the movie night previews. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
And um, that, that, that night ended up still going well, considering nearly everyone dropped out apart from three people. No, four people, which was me, me, Christine, Ryan, and Michael. Yeah, well, I remember when I saw, so I, you know, fell back to sleep. I woke up and I saw the thread and I was like, fuck, I felt guilty. I was like, maybe I, maybe I could just pop in for a little while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I was just feeling like shit, you know, because, <clears throat> you know, like there's, there's the, 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 the coughing fits. The, I mean, I didn't have to be hospitalized, but, um, you know, early on it was, you know, there was the shortness of breath, but I would have a hot shower. It felt better. But um, it was just, it just knocked you out wicked bad, you know, a lot of sleep. Yeah, and this is the thing. When, when you had to drop out of the movie night, two things went through my head when you told me it was COVID. First thing was, oh, for fuck's sake, he's, he's let us down. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of my brain was going, fuck, he's in shit. <laughs> but fuck, I can't be angry at this fucker. As much as I want to be angry at him, I can't. Well, I'm glad I was the first to back out. It's usually the last person to back out where it's like, oh, what the fuck? Okay, so your mother's dead. All right, well, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) It's usually by the last person. By that time, it's like, you know, whatever it is, it's like. (laughs) But this is the first one I could be, you know. um, When you did drop out that night, it started with you, mm -hmm. then it was Bruno. (laughs) Right. And then it was Brooke. Mm-hmm. And then it was Juliana, and it was like, for fuck's sake, man! It was like you started a fucking trend. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, it's uh, it, you know being the the first person to do it. It's like when you're calling in sick from to work. You know, it's like you want to be the earliest person, you know, to call. Because then when your boss is like, "Oh my god, we can't get this shift done with two people," the guy's like, hey, "Yeah, but I still. I, I mean, my arm was decapped." You know, my arm was decapitated. <laughs> my arm was cut off. You want like, to try oh. that again, Kurt? <laughs> well, it could. Be, your hand could be decapitated if it was a sock puppet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, it could happen. I'll I'll show you. Oh no! Here we go. All right, here's Professor Levin stuff, and then hand decapitated. Boom. Nothing. Now what? Now your hands decapitated. I just got one of these. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! But um, oh. but yeah. Now you know, obviously I didn't. I wanted to make sure I gave you enough notice that I wasn't gonna make it. You know, that's what I try to do anyway. I mean, <clears throat> um, for that roast battle, I did. Um, they're like, hey. We got the rose battle tonight, and I was like, "Shit, yeah, I, okay, I'll I'll be there." I've I'm still f- fucking with COVID, um, so I haven't re- I haven't written much, but I will be there, you know, because the last thing I want to do is commit to a show and not not go, you know. Um, if it's an open mic, I don't feel as bad about it, but try to let people know as soon as possible if it's just not going to fucking happen, you know. Um, I mean, there's so many mics and so much stuff to uh, shows and Zoom. You know, you could easily fill your day with it, and maybe because of that, you you know, it's like, what is it called? The um the property or the uh, uh, diminishing return. So you have so many one things, and one thing doesn't matter anymore. You know, but yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So having so many Zoom shows, it's like you still want to make sure you get to all that shit. You hate to commit and then flake out because then, just like with the other stuff, 
now you're known as a flaky person and who's going to book you when the world opens up, you know? Yeah. And I think after that first pre, uh, the second preview, and we will still talk about the best bits about those previews, because I think those previews work. I feel like the previews helped us work out where movie night needs to be. But after you dropped out of that second preview and we ended up, the fact that we had the main public show about a week and a half after the second preview, mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest, I was scared you weren't going to turn up. I mm. was scared you were not going to um, turn up, but I didn't hear anything through the week, I don't think. And then I opened the room and you fucking turned up. And I, I have to give credit to you and I gave you credit that night and I'll give it to you again. You fucking powered through that fucker and that's the thing about the movie night show. You have to be high energy with it. Right. If you're not used to being high energy when you've got fucking Chase shouting and giving you abuse pretty much, mm -hmm. like that show isn't, I'll say the movie night show is not for comics who don't like sort of playing along with this shouty fucking psychopath. Yeah. You know, you have to be ready to follow it. Yeah, and, and and you have to keep it in context. These are characters. Yeah, these are characters, not real people. Right. Well, not at the moment. There are there are plans to make these a physical show. But, right, but not to make these real people. Yeah, but we're not is, growing them in our basements. I think I think this is an interesting question to ask. If the movie night show was to made to be made a physical um, version. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would work as well with, um, with you know, the characters of like Chase, Chris, uh, Robert, yeah, definitely. Maybe, you know, with, with Chase shouting at people? Do you think it, would, think it would work as well? Yeah, I think anything we're doing on Zoom, and, and, and this is what's critical, if it, if, if it works on Zoom, you should only be doing it on Zoom because it's going to work in real life. That's why we've been doing that. I mean, I, there's very few comedians I've seen you know, pop-ups and funny backgrounds and shit like that. But what 99% of the people are doing is I'm running my comedy now because the world's going to open up and now I've got my shit ready. You know, we're backlogging all this stuff. So yeah, this, this will work. I don't see how it wouldn't. I mean, why, why wouldn't this be like a table read people sitting around table or even people just, you know, standing on, on set, you know, on the stage, I think it could still work, you know? I mean, yeah. just like improv works. Yeah, I think with the movie night show, and this is this is the thing I sort of worry with with me wanting to make it a physical version, is that with Zoom, people are tolerable with you know like the character of Chase, you know, shouting. And this is the thing with Chase, as you'll probably agree with me, is Chase shouts some fucked up stuff to people. Mm -hmm. He says some fucked up shit. I, I, I don't know what the most fucked up thing Chase has said to anyone in any of those shows we've done. I don't know if you can think of anything most fucked up he said. I think I can think of the most fucked up thing he did. Which um, was? He bailed on the production of the last one for like uh, half an hour. <laughs> now, now that wouldn't happen in real life, you know? I mean, unless he got a case of the shits and had to leave, you know, um, but... You know, uh, this stuff will work better in real life because now you won't miss a line because someone's connection got fucked up a little bit. Um, or someone else was talking over somebody else and now you couldn't hear both at once. 
you know, this will work way better in real life. Yeah, as I was saying, the thing I worry about with moving Chase from the sort of universe that he's in and putting him into the, the character, should I say, let me clarify that, putting the character of Chase Brody in that sort of in-person space. Is, I think when with Chase on Zoom, you know, he can move wherever, you know, but then when you have him in the real life thing, you know, mm-hmm. if you've got, say, say the building he's in doing the show is like a rounded one. So you've got everyone at a different angle. It's, it's wondering, yes, the, the performers will take Chase as the character shouting at them, mm-hmm. but it's whether the audience will be happy to deal with pretty much 90 minutes of Chase shouting pretty much what can be seen as abuse. And I think, I think that can sort of be misconstrued. And that's why I'm what, it's not the actual show I'm worried about making physical. I think mm-hmm. it's how people would react to the character of Chase. So what about if it was just an, um, you know, an offstage voiceover, like the, you know, like a God mic. And then it'd be more like a, almost like a Wizard of Oz thing, you know? I mean, I think the way the way I'm planning it in a physical sense would be the, the stage set for it would be split into two. So on one big bit of the stage, you would have you know the characters of Chris, Robert, uh, Debbie, Vanessa, and Jenny. You know you'd have them on one stage, and then maybe like right at the back of the room with a mic, you would have literally another little stage with um, maybe Chase sat on like a director's chair. And the uh-huh. only time that Chase would ever be down on that front stage is, you know, at the start, sort of saying, this is my show, fuck you all, that sort of thing. And then I think that's the best way to work with Chase, if it was like in the physical sense, is that to have him on the stage with the performers, even for me, that would be quite hard. Like, because as, as you know, I, I like to try and throw myself into it as much as possible. But in the mm-hmm. physical sense, I think it would work better to have Chase right at the back of the room and he just, you know, he just butts in when he's ready. Yeah, but I think instead of a mic, <clears throat> it would either be a megaphone, you know, or, um, you know, one of those old-timey, you know, like, uh, yeah, things. Yeah, I think, I, I think that would work. And I think that this is me literally having a brain fart right now, but... Can you try and imagine the Reckless Improv troupe doing like a tour? Can you imagine them touring? And how do you think different places would react to it? Is there any places in America in particular do you think that might not react well to the character of Chase? Middle America. Really? Expand on that. Expand on it. Um, Just middle America is, is kind of very conservative. Um, very, you know, they're very Trump oriented. They're still waiting for his return. Um, so, um, I think pockets like that, pockets of conservative areas might be like, why would people just let them yell at him like that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think they'd sort of be like, like, why the, why the fuck is Chase allowed to do this? Yeah. Like instead of people who are just understanding, hey, this is, this is just a play you know, or an act. You know, this is a sketch. This is improv. This is, you know, this is art. Then you, you're a little more forgiving. But if, but, 
for you know more of the conservative crowds they might just be like why would i see someone yell at somebody who's not their own kids you know or whatever <laughs> yeah and also you gotta think like the, the way i see chase in a physical sense would be the, the stereotypical what a director looks like you know right posh, posh three-piece suit fucking you know he yeah i i'm worried about bringing chase to the physical world um, but Marvin, <laughs> Marvin's a different question altogether. I think everyone would probably love Marvin in like the physical sense. I don't know what you think on that. Yeah. Now, I, and I think, <clears throat> I think if every character was heightened to the absurd level, then I think, I think it could play anywhere. As long as people, you know, if, if it was fucking overboard as this is, you know, um, then I think it would, it would work anywhere, you know. But yeah, Marvin. Marvin and and Chris are um, both identifiable psychopaths. Yeah, they 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 how the, in the real sense, I think if this was like a real life thing, and they were like real people, I think Marvin and Chase would have been through like the legal system probably more times than anyone else. Right. Like it. But then I asked the question, okay, out of Chase and Marvin, who probably been through the courts more? And I think probably Chase, because I reckon Chase would have been through quite a few lawsuits. Probably. Because I, like, it's only going to be a certain amount of time before someone in the real life would go, Chase, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but that's funny, in the Zoom world, Chase has the power. Chase has the godly power. And I think in, in his backstory as well, I think it helps with that. You know, Chase grew up with Marvin, you know, wanting power, sort mm -hmm. of like a Hitler figure, you know. He wanted that power. And now that Chase has got it, is it fair to say at the best of times, Chase abuses that power? Um, yeah, that's definitely fair to say. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's obvious in the movie night shows that Chase is God in that situation. You know, he, and I feel like it helps with like you guys performing the other characters that, you know, these other characters, it makes people wonder why the fuck are these other characters letting Chase do what the fuck he wants? Why, why are they taking all this abuse? You know, for example, Debbie, she's always getting told to do sexual stuff. And it opens the question of, does Chase have something against does, does Chase, is there a hidden secret behind Debbie and Chase? Well, I think even if you think of it this way, <clears throat> um, when you go on set, and well, the thing is, like, actors, you know, when, when you set out a casting call, you look at a shit ton of people, um, and if you're, you know, if, if, if it's going to give you IMDb credit or whatever, I mean, you'll probably let someone yell at you for a bit, uh, de depending, you know, I mean, there's always going to be a, a certain point where it's like, okay, this isn't even worth it anymore. But if you consider it like, look, I'm already on set. I already drove all the way here. I already got makeup. I already got the, you know, I'm, I'm going to get paid for this. Then you would, you know, to a point, let someone yell at you. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think the question to ask about, you know, people like Chase in the physical world, you know, those who think, you know, they've got the power now. They've got that godly power. 
my question, I think, regarding Chase is, what led him to this? What led him to wanting dominance over people? And once again, you know, the question of what what is up with Chase and Debbie? Like, there's some. I've, I don't know if you've seen that in the way of the characters, not in the person, but in the characters. Mm-hmm. There's definitely there's def- definitely something underlying with Chase and Debbie, and I think it's the most obvious sort of question in the movie night universe. I don't know if you've got if there's any weird questions about the character or anything that sort of sort of might in the real sense would raise red flags but there's I think it definitely asks the question why is Chase making Debbie do all the sexual stuff and no one else right over and over again yeah over and over again like the same thing like give me a 69 like all that Mm -hmm. I'm gonna ask you the question why do you think Chase does it why do you think he does it and because he gets go as far into it as you want Okay, there's a possibility that he's um, in a relationship and uh, this is his way of um, having a, uh, having a psychological, uh, having an affair, you know, in the, in a weird twisted way. Really? Could be that. Uh-huh. Any, any other potential theories? Um, yeah, he likes, he's, uh, he could have little man theory, um, uh, complex where, you know, he, um, he wants he wants um, Debbie, but he doesn't believe that he can get her. Hmm. I think another theory, and this isn't even me, because I haven't even written why Chase does that. But I think the most likely theory is maybe it's it's hard with Chase to work out why he does this. Why what what is fucking up with him with the sex thing? I think, and I think your theory with oh he wants Debbie. I think that's probably the most closest we could go, I think. Yeah. I think that's what he wants. He wants Debbie, or, no, here it is, here it is, now it's popped into my head. He sees Debbie as a young woman, and he's, and Chase is, Chase is aged 26, and I think Debbie is somewhere aged between, I think, 22 to 23. So I think Chase sees that, um, uh, how can I put this? He sees that Debbie is deceptible. You know, he... Is, is what? He sees Debbie as sort of easy to manipulate. That's what I meant. Mm. And I think he uses that to his advantage. And then it opens the doors to some really potential dark backstory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It opens it up to make could Chase maybe have maybe is Chase one of them people who has pictures of Debbie plastered on his walls? No, really, who doesn't? <laughs> Obviously, we have to clarify in the context of the character. The characters. In the characters, yeah, I think another interesting theory is with Chris. Like, why does I, I I always ask this question? Why why does I feel like Chris rolls like sort of works hand in hand with um, with Chase? And I think <laughs> I don't know. I think I think Chris sort of knows what Chase's intentions are, but he he doesn't see what what Chase is doing is actually bad. 
Well, yeah, because Chris has got numerous sexual harassment um, uh, indictments on him. So he clearly doesn't understand boundaries. I think it would be fair to say that Chris is the, the, the feeder into Chase's sex addi addiction. Well, you mean like the enabler? Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. that's a fair, fair assumption. Definitely. Um, moving away from Chase and his dark, dark secrets. Um, obviously, it's now 9.55 UK time. I've got a gig in one hour, five minutes. I want to try and get this edited and ready to go before we, uh, before I do um, uh, Tara's, uh, Tara, ta Tara, Tara, fuck me. <laughs> no. Tara's Russian roulette. Yep. Um, but to start wrapping up, um, have you enjoyed yourself this evening? Well, morning, afternoon, Kurt? Yeah. Always a nice chat with you there, Kim. Yeah, and one thing I always do with podcasts is I, I give um, the guests a chance to promote themselves, push themselves, and to not in that sense. <laughs> but um, I'm going to give you two minutes while I go for a piss uh, to promote yourself. So um, off you go and be a little uh, promotional slut. Okie dokie. Well, let's see. <clears throat> um, stop by for the end of the world set list. It's an improvised stand-up show, um, co-hosted by myself and a another Boston native, a Nick K. And that is four o'clock p.m. Pacific time. Um, and I think that's probably around ten your time. I don't know, ten UK time. Um, and uh, it's great. You um, no writing is involved. You go there, and we feed you four lines in the chat, and those those are your set list lines. Um, if you need any more detail on how a set list show is is done, um, you can go to YouTube and check them out. Um, set list comedy uh, stand up without a net, and uh, there's some great examples. Kyle Kinane and um, Eddie Pepitone do a great set list. Uh, I believe the set list started in England, so there's also some really good sets you can see there. Um, on Mondays, I do a Flappers East Coast antiviral open mic uh, at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank, and that is at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, tickets for the, the, that is the, you have to go on there on flapperscomedy.com to get tickets for that. Um, the set list, you just have to pop in. Um, and you can uh, hit me up. Uh, on Curry, B L O M. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And I'm on Snapchat. I don't put shit up there. Um, and I have some stupid TikTok videos. But uh, so I've got the social media there, but I also have. Um, uh, com. I think my site just went down because I switched credit cards. Um, but uh, also KurtSeblumComedy on Facebook. Um, so anyway, there's there's those um, upcoming shows. I've got the show the showcase with uh, 
Kim on Tuesday. And then I've got Dat Fan. He, he was from the first season of Last Comic Standing. He, he won the first season. Um, got his show that is on Saturday. I think that is at... Just to clarify, when this episode does go out, these shows have probably already happened. Goddammit! <laughs> Get on the next one! Oh, Tara just posted. Um, that fans show. I think that's on the 20th, 20... 30th, 29th? Let me see. That is on Friday, the 29th. That's at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And those are free tickets. Free. Gratis. Okay. Uh, is that, that's about it. Yeah. Kurt's just like, what else can I promote? Like a little slut. Like, what else can I promote? Um, I'm also on Etsy. I make um, little buttons. No, I don't. <laughs> I, was, I was just about to say, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you, you are... Uh, well, how can I say this without sounding like a dick? You are... I'm going to say this. You look like the one comic who probably... Doesn't have an OnlyFans. Gosh. You haven't? I was going to say, you're the only comic who doesn't have an OnlyFans. You're right. You're right. You're the only comic ever in the history of comedy not to have an OnlyFans. The only one. To be fair, only I one. I, I don't have one either, so. Um, the I only two. That. We're the only two. Uh, we can make a joint one. We can make a joint one. <laughs> that face does not fucking help, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, make sure you go follow. Oh, I got one more thing to pimp out. Ooh. I'll be doing a um, a cooking um, podcast or a cooking video podcast, maybe. I think that is also that's also on Friday. With um, Kelly Zemeckis from Canada. I think that's how you guys pronounce it in, in England. Canada? Is that how you pronounce it there? We call it Canada? You guys call it yeah. Canada? Yeah, we call it Canada. <laughs> or <laughs> America <laughs> Light. <laughs> um, anywho, yeah, we're going to be making some Swedish meal. Horgan Jorgen Slorgan or something. Right, okay, just to finish, I'm going to ask you to do a Muppet impression. Choose a Muppet and do an impression. Huh. Well, it would have to be the, um, the grouchy um, critics, the guys in the box office there. You know you know which ones I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, I know, I know the ones you're on about. I can't remember them. Oh, oh, no, there's always Beaker. You know, me, 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 Him. That, is that the best Beaker you can do? Here's mine, ready? <clears throat> beaker. All right. All right. Well, once your balls drop, it's going to be harder to pull that out. <laughs> <laughs> even even Beaker doesn't find something. Okay, fucking hell, I'm crying. <laughs>
I'm fucking crying. Fuck you. Oh fucking hell. Okay. Right. Back. To, back to the script. Um, <laughs> there is no fucking script. Um, but yeah, make sure you go follow Kurt on his uh, social media platforms. Make sure you also follow Reckless Comedy on their social media platforms. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at comedy underscore reckless. Don't ask us why we're called that. Don't blame me. Someone already took Reckless Comedy. You bastards. Like, you utter dicks. Um, follow us on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook at Reckless Comedy Podcast where a lot of our live shows, well, all our live shows are streamed out there. Um, and you can find out more information about the next Reckless Improv Movie Night as of when this episode goes out. Uh, obviously, when this, ep- let me try that again. When this episode goes out, uh, there's a Reckless Movie Night uh, five days after the episode goes out. So make sure you're there. Um, and also, when this episode does go out, on the day it goes out, we are doing a World Cancer Day uh, charity stream where we will be trying to raise, uh, I think at the moment we're trying to raise $115 for a cause called uh, called One Up on Cancer. So we're going to be trying to raise some awareness on that. Um, and I'm going to ask Kurt to try and make an inspirational quote for people to take into their lives. Huh. That, that face is not helping. <clears throat> I, you know, I would rather quote somebody. Go How's that? It. Yeah, go, go for that. All right. One of my favorites. Confucius once said, it is better to light a candle than curse the darkness. So you see something that's missing, you need to see something that needs fixing, Instead of bitching about it, just fix it. Or one I would go for, which I I say. Just fist it? You're going to say just fist it, weren't you? No, no. I'm going to say, don't be a cunt. Simple. Don't be a cunt. Just be a good person. Yeah, Confucius said that too. That was was the follow-up line. Uh, but yeah, okay. Uh, thanks for listening to the episode. Me and Kurt will be talking after the episode anyway, just to chat shit because we're good people and we we love talking to each other. But uh, make sure you tune in next time. I don't know who the next guest is on episode five. Uh, make sure you go check out the episode which came out before this one with uh, Tara Christian Weedner. Uh, that was a very interesting conversation at the time of recording. We haven't actually recorded it yet but I'm sure it was a very interesting conversation. But uh, uh, I've been Kanash. Uh, my guest has been the brilliant Curtis Seenblom. <laughs> what the fuck was that, Curtis? Yeah, it's just Kurt. It's just Kurt. I don't, don't call you Kimberly. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> well, it's not Curtis either, is it? <laughs> oh, but yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you in the next episode. And Unreflected in your eyes Is all my love and all my lies Is all my promise and my pride Is all my fear and all my fight Is all my dread and my denial So though we cannot be together I know that I will carry you
you.